0: Welcome to another episode of Control Out Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solvetto. Stay ahead of the game and advance your career with continuous learning opportunities for Azure Cloud professionals. Solvetu, EduHouse, learning as a lifestyle. Start your journey now on eduHouse.fi slash CloudPro. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up?
1: Hey, Tobias. The summer is almost over. I had a splendid five-week vacation. No need to open work email or Teams. No need to record any of the podcast stuff. So I spent that mostly fixing the yard and the garden because we haven't done anything on that after we built the house. I did a lot of gym. We went around Finland with the family. Relaxing, good food, a lot of sleep, a lot of rest. And this sort of... uh, tranquility of not needing to live by any schedules for five weeks. So I'm two days in back at work and I'm not really sure if I know how computers work anymore. So let's see how how this recording goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's similar to me. I have four weeks this summer, which is pretty nice because that's the longest vacation I've ever had um, in in one stretch. And that's because our daughter, the oldest daughter is starting school next week. So that's gonna be the end of my vacation coming back. And that's super exciting. So the highlight of my summer has been some trips we've done with the family, just really going analog, winding down. I harvested about 200 cucumbers just to give an update on that project. And now I'm into about a hundred tomatoes and I expect another hundred before they run out. So it's been a good year in many ways. Now I'm just looking forward to see what next week brings and uh, getting our daughter to the first day of school. So that's a really big event for me, but even bigger for her. So I'm super excited about that.
1: Exciting times for sure. Uh, A couple of community highlights. So, So I openly admit I haven't looked at any community content in the past five weeks. So these are fairly fresh for us. Perhaps you've seen some of this before. Uh, So, on my list, I have an interesting recap from Jeff Woolsey from Microsoft on 30 years of Windows Server. And since I started using Windows Server with Windows NT 3.51, that was the upgrade bit, uh, this really brings back memories. So, you can find the link for this and the other community highlights for all of the episodes in the show notes. Uh, what did you have, Toby, for community content?
0: So, I found something from Denise Schlesinger in the tech community called From Prompts to Embeddings and Vector Stores How to Use Open AI in Real Scenarios. And as we know, AI information is all over the place, but sometimes, like the real world scenarios, are hard to find. Like how do I actually apply this in a real scenario, not just a you know textbook or a PowerPoint presentation type of demo examples? Uh, so that's an interesting pose talking about that. So the link to that is also in the show notes.
1: Good stuff. And today's episode is about Azure updates. Are uh, any recent updates that that are interesting and and something we feel might be useful for many in the audience? And we both have our list. I think i have a couple of uh, items more than than what you have so let me start on the first one on my list and this is something which is in public preview now for assessing cost optimization opportunities in azure advisor there's a new workbook template meaning it's going to be kql but it's ready made for you And once you open Azure Advisor, and you go to the cost optimization opportunities, you have a new workbook, and this will advise you on possible savings on virtual machines, web apps, Kubernetes, hybrid benefit licenses, SQL networking, and so on. There's a lot here. And I've often felt that the Azure Advisor cost optimization, it sort of blindly looks at what you have in your environment and it can easily suggest that hey you can save 2000 euro a month if you shut down the vms yeah but they need to be running so i cannot shut them down so i'm hopeful that this new workbook template has a more detailed approach on how you can optimize your cost for azure so so have a look and again anything we mention here you will find the links in the show notes. So that was first on my list. What do you have, Toby?
0: So that that was a good first update on your end, and I worked a lot with cost optimization in the past, and it was really nice uh, to get these kind of recommendations, but sometimes it, you were lacking like a deeper insights, and that workbook kind of provides uh, a better way to drill down into that. So I really love that update. Uh, on my end, I think there's something that nobody in the Azure space at least have missed, or in the 365 or Microsoft space, And that's the Azure AD rename. So Azure AD or Azure Active Directory is becoming Microsoft Entra ID. Uh, So I guess nobody kind of missed that train by now, Uh, but if it's still unclear, that means the following. Uh, Number one, no action is required from you, right? That's the main question I've received. It's the main question that keeps coming back to, uh, you know, when you go online, you check the different forums, you check the questions. When you talk to people in the field, working with customers, what do I need to do? You don't actually need to do anything. Uh, the name change is uh, the evolution of the Microsoft Entra product family. So there is no changes to the capabilities, to licensing, or to pricing. And that's important. So Azure AD URLs, uh, the APIs you're already using, authentication libraries, and so on, they also stay the same. So again, you don't have to do anything. It's a branding rename, but All the endpoints, APIs, Azure AD URLs, authentication libraries, they do stay the same. So the developer experience also stay the same. So there's no immediate uh, need to just jump up and say, all right, how do we deal with this in our team? You don't actually need to do anything like that. There might be something you might have to do on your marketing end if you're working with Azure AD as as something in your portfolio. That's a different story. So when is this rolling out? it rolls out across all Microsoft products and experiences throughout the second half of 2023. So um, you know, it's, it's going to be ongoing for a while, but expect this to roll out during the second half of 2023. Uh, is there a potential impact to that rollout? Uh, so far, the way I understand it is that there is no expected impact. Azure AD customers, they continue to have access without any planned interruptions, so again, no action should be necessary on your end as a customer. So I really love to get that clear information when th- things like this happen because it's a pretty big update uh, while the impact might not be huge, it's a big update because everyone knows AAD and Azure AD which is now MEID Microsoft Entra ID maybe. I don't know how people will say this, but the identity solution in the cloud by Microsoft. I
1: will I will already apologize for myself for the future that I will be saying Azure AD for the foreseeable future, because I've been saying that for more than 10 years. I like the name. I'm not entirely sure if we needed a rename here, because it will be super confusing now if I need to ask somebody that, could you please create a new identity in Microsoft Entra ID? And they're like, yeah, but the ID stands for identity, right? Yeah, yeah, but I need like an identity in Entra ID. And the other other bit is that the on-premises and hybrid stuff, like AD Federation services, those will remain with the old names, obviously. So it will be confusing for newcomers in the coming years. What's the difference between Azure AD Connect and Microsoft Entra ID? Yeah, they sort of go together but not really know because they have different <laughs> names now. Anyways, nice to see progress here and perhaps uh, the new name serves better the multiple usages of what used to be called Azure Ready. Alrighty, uh, next on my list, this is super interesting. I haven't had a chance to try this out yet, but I'm I'm sure I will be trying this out pretty soon. This is in public preview firmware analysis in defender for iot and the idea here is that uh you have iot devices typically running in in on-premises and hybrid scenarios when you ramp them up for defender for iot there's a new capability for doing an analysis on the binary firmware files that are on those iot devices What it will do, it will do a software inventory of any public open source libraries and dependencies, and it will analyze those, but it will also then do a binary scan, or or, or it it will analyze the binary firmware image and scan that through for potential security vulnerabilities. And the best bit here is that you do not need an endpoint agent for this capability. So as long as you have Defender for IoT deployed, you can use this. It won't support Windows IoT, the old Windows IoT stuff. And for now, it doesn't seem to support any of the RTOS, the real-time OS um, embedded systems. So anything typically with embedded Linux though, will be supported. So, so go and try this out, because this is something something slightly different and what we're normally seeing.
0: All right, this is interesting. And speaking of Defender and security, uh, my next update is about Microsoft Sentinel. And then after that, my other update is going to be about Defender for Cloud because no good Azure update episode comes lacking some insights for Sentinel and Defender for Cloud. So starting with Sentinel, There's a couple of things I just want to highlight. There's been a load of updates, but these are kind of the ones that stick out to me and something that we may have touched on before that I want to give an update on or something that is uh, something that I know a lot of customers are using. So the content hub is GA generally available um, and centralization changes are also released. You can see the show notes below. um, In the show notes, you will have the link to check that out, all the latest Sentinel updates. There's also an update for SAP or uh, three different updates for SAP regarding Sentinel. Um, the first one is Deploy Incident Response Playbooks for SAP. So you can kind of enable SOAR or Security Orchestration Automation Response capabilities with Sentinel. So you can automatically then respond to suspicious user activity in SAP systems. And uh, the other SAP update in Sentinel is Microsoft Sentinel solution for SAP applications. Uh, has a new systemconfig.json file. The reason this is important is that if you're using a previous agent version, uh, it still uses the systemconfig.ini file. So if you start reading documentation and it talks about the ini file, that's agents uh, prior to June 22 this year. Uh, if you're looking at systemconfig.json files, that's uh, agents from June 22 and later. So just something to be aware of because there's been um, there could be some confusion around that. And for SAP, the final thing, which is a preview thing, is that you can connect multiple SAP system identifiers via the UI. So, this preview capability requires you to sign up for a form. So, if you're interested in looking at that, again, check the show notes. There's going to be a link, and then you can sign up um, from that form. And the final Sentinel update that I find interesting is also in preview. This is Microsoft Sentinel solution for D365 finance and operations. So that collects audits and activity logs from the Dynamics 365 finance and operations environment, and it detects threats, suspicious activities, uh, illegitimate activities, and, and stuff like that. So basically just bringing more kind of threat management and stuff into, um, into your Dynamics 365 finance and operations environment through Sentinel.
1: Interesting stuff, and and when you mentioned the the new system config.json and the old .ini file, oh boy, the .ini files, they really bring back memories from the uh, Windows (laughs) deployments of the past. Uh, Next on my list, and this relates to what you mentioned before, Windows Server 2012 and 2012 R2 End of Support Migration Guidance from Microsoft and how this relates to Azure is that support ends for these two operating system versions, support ends October 10th, 2023, and the guidance is about using Azure Migrate for migrating those possible on-premises, physical boxes and virtual machines to Azure and performing an in-place upgrade on the fly, meaning that you can migrate from 2012 to 2016 or 2019 version of Windows Server. And then you can retire those old 2012s and continue running those in 2016 or 2019 in the cloud. And I I think we've done an episode on Azure Migrate. I look up the, uh, the episode number. I will put that in the show notes because Azure Migrate itself is fairly easy to get up and running. And this guidance now, guide you through on how you can get rid of these old bits that are finally end of support
0: all right yeah that's good to be aware of um, so the final thing on my end is defender for cloud so i've got a couple of few uh, few ones here and the first one is a preview feature and it's called the preview release of containers Vulnerability assessment powered by Microsoft Defender Vulnerability Management, MDVM, in Defender for Containers and Defender for Container Registries. So that's a mouthful. Um, the new Container VA uh, or Vulnerability Assessment offering will be provided alongside the existing Container VA offering that comes by Qualys. Um, and this happens in both Defender for Containers and Defender for Container Registries. And it will include uh, daily rescans of container images. Uh, exploitability information of those containers, support for OS and programming languages, and more. So there's a bunch of stuff built in. Uh, just you know, another great update in in the line of uh, defense. So the the Defender for Cloud, and in this case, then the Defender for Containers and Defender for Container Registries is getting some good updates here. Uh, the next one for Defender for Cloud is now in GA, generally available for everyone. It's Agentless Container Posture in Defender CSPM, which is Cloud Security Posture Management. and I think we mentioned that a few times before, and this is now in GA, so see the link to what's new in Defender for Cloud in the show notes, we're going to put the link there, you can read all about it. Uh, I know we talked about it before, I know some people find this extremely important, so take a look at that, take a look at what that means, check the links uh, and you're going to get all the details. Now. The final thing that I have is also Defender for Cloud, and that's agentless secret scanning for virtual machines in Defender for Servers P2 and DC SPM. So this capability really helps to detect unmanaged and insecure secrets saved on VMs. So this happens in both Azure and AWS resources if you have them, because you can now use Defender for Cloud with you know other cloud providers, including AWS. Um, and then that can be used to uh, discover things that can move laterally in the network. So um, this thing can then find the following types of secrets across your environments, Uh, insecure SSH private keys, plain text Azure SQL connection strings, Azure storage account connection strings, Azure storage account SAS tokens, um, AWS access keys, or AWS RDS SQL connection strings. So there's a bunch of things it's looking for, just like the other kind of tools that's been used, like CredScan. Some people use that with DevOps or GitHub Actions and stuff like that in the past to scan your repositories for credentials. And uh, this is a similar capability, but they're scanning your virtual machines uh, through Defender for Service P2. So pretty good. Good stuff. It's going to scan your environments. And if it does find any of these things, it's going to raise a flag and say, hey, you know what? You have a plain text connection string laying on your machine, which is not great. So we're used to seeing this with like GitHub and and the Dependabot or whatever the security, um, you know, whatever that thing is called these days. And also for DevOps, you could use CRED scan and you could use the security extensions in the past for, for Microsoft DevOps. And that would bring up to your attention saying, hey, in your repository, we found this plain text secret uh, that looks like an Azure storage account or an Azure uh, SAS token. Now, this thing will actually scan your your VMs uh, through Defender for Servers, which is awesome. So it's not just for repositories, but also like, here's a file uh, in which we found that you are storing plain text secrets to this resource, whatever that might be. Um, so, again, another kind of line in the defense, which is awesome.
1: This is impressive stuff. I really like the agentless secret scanning. And and for me, I feel the virtual machine aspect is even more useful because you often end up managing or, or administrating VMs that somebody else uh, provisioned two, three, four years ago. You don't really know intimately what's happening with those VMs. And now, when you can do the agentless scanning, you can just point that to all of those VMs and see. Well, let's at least hope we don't have plain text Azure SQL connection strings on a uh, passwords.txt on the desktop of a given profile on the VM. So this this is something that I will I will for sure I will be using with my customers. Uh, I have two more. the The first one is a bit complex and i haven't tried this yet because yes i was on on a holiday so i just read about this like a true consultant and and i can confidently (laughs) talk about this for two hours without even seeing this in in practice so this is in public preview vector search is now available in azure cognitive search i was i was part of the preview program and i figured yeah let me follow up on the updates on that leading up to the public preview but I quickly realized that the amounts of, of communications on that from people part of the program that was just impossible to follow up. There was so much messaging and, and asks and things you should look into. I just didn't have the time because yes, I was on holiday. Uh, but what this will do is, it's part of Azure Cognitive Search, and it gives you the capability to store, index, and provide a search capability for applications on vector coordinates or points, also known as embeddings of your organizational data. It doesn't generate the embeddings. So you need to generate those embeddings with Azure OpenAI. I think we talked about that briefly a couple of episodes ago. And once you have those embedded embeddings coordinates, you can now feed those to Azure Cognitive Search and ask it to find you stuff based on those embeddings. It's easy to configure, but obviously when you hook it up with Azure OpenAI, your custom data, you probably have a custom interface, you probably have Azure SQL or Cosmos DB in there as well. It becomes a bit more complex as well. So this is the first public preview. The other one, this is a quick one. A few updates on the burstable VMs, the B. Serious VMs. Uh, The new ones are Bsv2, BaSv2, and BpSv2. So they are faster, better price performance, more network bandwidth, accelerated networking. But what's interesting is that the Bsv2, that's on Intel Xeon. The BASv2, that's on AMD EPIC CPU. And the BpSv2, that's on the Ampere Ultra ARM X64 or or ARM64 CPU architecture. So this is definitely interesting if you want to spin up, let's say Windows on ARM, but you want a cheap and affordable VM, then you would go for BPS v2. Again, I need to try this out now that I'm back from holidays. Uh, I think those were all the updates we had, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's it for me. There's a long list of updates that happened during the summer, but I, I think we'll save the good ones for uh, a coming episode. I think there's going to be some interesting things happening this fall. Um, personally, just to round off my thoughts on updates, I'm really looking forward to the next like three months, six months period to see what happens in the AI space, to see how people now start taking you know, the Azure OpenAI services and the ChatGPTs of the world and the APIs uh, and craft like real business applications on this, or consumer applications, something that is useful, not just you know generate a a cat meme song for me, but how do I use this in business? and then come back with a, a pointing case or a, a use case, saying, you know what? We actually use this now using generative uh, AI. We are doing this. That's what I'm looking forward to to hearing in a couple of months. Um, that's my my kind of on my wish list to get someone on the show. Talk about uh, you know updates in general around AI, but also how do you now use this uh, and justify that in your organization as like a a core kind of component in your architecture, and how does it kind of empower your organization? Yeah,
1: same for me. Really interested in seeing how it goes in the in the next couple of months because there's there's going to be new announcements and there's going to be more practical applications on Azure OpenAI. All the last bit is the unexpected question. Uh, Toby, I know you are fresh uh, from your summer vacation. I think you still have some vacation left as well. Uh, are you ready for the unexpected question?
0: I am, let's go.
1: What's a good YouTube channel you would recommend people to check out?
0: Okay, so I'm a big YouTube fan, right? I I've watched a lot of different things. Uh, most of the time, I just kind of randomly end up watching something that I'm interested in. But there is one channel that I um, uh, that I took interest in. It's it's called Best Ever Food Review Show. It's a funny name, um, but it is kind of cool. I, I wouldn't say it's the best ever, uh, but that's the name of the channel. And it's pretty interesting. This is a, uh, an individual traveling the world into all kinds of different places, and he is taking the camera with him and he's kind of reviewing the food and the people and the culture and getting to know a lot of friendly uh, people around the globe and getting introduced to their food and to, uh, you know, how they make the food and what is it and why do you eat this and why, why not that. And it's a pretty interesting thing. So uh, definitely not Astra related. So, uh, but the question wasn't Asher related. So um, I would say that's one of the kind of top channels for me because it's so wildly different from my everyday work but it's it's a nice way to kind of decompress to watch a show like that after work um also because i love cooking right and sometimes you find inspiration sometimes you find things you don't ever want to eat right (laughs) because it's not always like here's a here's a great pasta it could be some kind of strange seafood from other places of the planet that looks really creepy that you may or may not want to eat so it's it's really inspirational but also yeah, eye-opening to, you know, how different cultures eat different things.
1: That sounds interesting. So tonight, when I go to bed, I will, I will find this this channel and 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 have a look at a couple of the videos. <laughs> Alrighty, thank you for joining us. See you next week.
0: All right. See you then.